Kellos is a young, passionate speaker. He loves people. He looks for adventure, long rides on his motorcycle. Come on, bro. Yeah. Um, me and my son will join you next time bring your bike. Perfect. Graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University with a bachelor's in art with a focus on acting. But I can tell you after getting to know this man, it's no act. <laughs> he spent time. He graduated from Every Nation School of Campus Ministry. Been working as youth pastor at Grace Covenant Church near Washington, D.C. for the past four years. Won't you put your hands together and your heart open for Pastor Carlos Thank you. Amen. Amen. Can you guys hear me all right? Great, great. I am so excited to be here with you all this morning. Um, one thing I got to confess <coughs> before we start, I am incredibly nervous to say your church's name. <laughs> I came in, <laughs> tried to figure out how to say this name, and like a typical American, I came in and I think I was like, okay, great, they're like, wh where are you going to be and how's your week planned out to me? And I said, oh, you'll, you know, I'm going to be at the Build Conference, it's going to be so exciting, I can't wait to be there, and I actually get to be at a few couple churches, and they're like, oh, what churches? I was like, oh, I get to be at this one and this one, and, and I get to be at Rumsig on, on Sunday, and they're like, what? <laughs> what? What's your, and I was like, and they're like, oh, you poor man. <laughs> they're like, it's, it's, so they helped me out, um, and I still don't think that I can say it well, but I'm just going to try my best. I'm really excited to be with you, Every Nation, Reim Sikh. Yeah? Okay. I practiced all week for that, so <laughs> thank you guys. Let's pray. I'm, I'm ready to go. No, but we're going to be uh, in Romans chapter 15 today. I'm really excited to jump in with this series with you guys that you're already in a year of yes, a year of yes, and what a great year to say yes to Jesus in, and what a great year to say yes to Jesus after, after a world that seemingly has said no to us, aren't you faithful and aren't you thankful for a God who has said yes to you, and now we have an opportunity to say yes to him. Um, I'm so thankful to be here. Pastor Andrew and Carol are so amazing, and I'm so excited to be with you guys here. Like he said, it's my first time in South Africa, first time in Africa. My dad has been here often. It's my first time here, and I'm so excited. It's been everything that I could have imagined and more. And so this morning, um, I'm so excited to speak on a yes to adventure, a yes to adventure. And I honestly feel like this has kind of been my story with Jesus that Jesus has been so faithful to me, so much more faithful to me than I have been to him. And he has been way too good to me. And in that faithfulness, I have found an adventure. In that faithfulness, the adventure that I thought I would have for myself has been upgraded to what Jesus's adventure for me actually was. A yes to adventure. I want to be in Romans chapter 15, verse 18 through 20. Romans chapter 15, verse 18 through 20. And it says this. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Mm. To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power and the signs and the wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way to around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Like I said, I want to title this message, A Yes to Adventure. A Yes to Adventure. Will you pray with me real quick? 
Father, we invite you in this place, and Holy Spirit, we know that you are working right now. Spirit, you can do so much more than I could ever ask, dream, or ever imagine. So Lord, we're saying your will be done in this place. God, would I decrease and would you increase? And would we see our risen King? Would we see the Father and experience the Holy Spirit in this moment? God, that we would never be the same. Open our eyes and our ears to see and hear everything that you want to speak and everything that you want us to see. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul, a legend in the faith. A legend in the faith. Here in Romans, we find Paul centralizing and focusing on the gospel of Jesus. And if you haven't read a lot of what Paul is speaking about, Paul consistently and constantly is speaking about... Might not have been plugged in all the way. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Paul is constantly and consistently speaking about the gospel. And I love it because when we talk about Christianity so often, we can make it about, okay, what do I need to do? What, what's, what am I supposed to do now? And Paul, although he always gave a mission, it always came from Jesus' first mission to us. That there was the gospel that was the foundation of everything that Paul did, which led him to become the foremost of, every, of the apostles. And it didn't come from the other way around. So oftentimes, I myself will be in a position where I say, all right, God, I know the gospel. Sure, that's great. That's level one. But now what do I do? And Paul didn't think like that. Paul always started from the gospel. His motivation was the gospel, and he ended with the gospel. And in this moment right now, when we say yes to Jesus, we first have to acknowledge the yes that Jesus first made to us. And that's the yes of the cross. That's the yes that Jesus stepped out of eternity for us. Paul was a legendary apostle. He traveled all throughout the region and specifically was taking the gospel to the Gentiles, taking the gospel to places that nobody had ever heard of Jesus before, and to places and spaces where Jesus was not known, where a Messiah was not expected, where sins weren't really acknowledged, and people weren't looking for freedom. But, but Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, actually made a way in places where people weren't even looking for Jesus. Now, we had other apostles, disciples, who went to places in Jerusalem or places where Jews were expecting a Messiah. So people knew. People were like, okay, well, I didn't know about Jesus, but I knew that somebody was coming through the line of David. I, I didn't know that Jesus was on the cross, but I knew that Yahweh, I knew about the Israelites, I knew about the Exodus, I knew these things. But Paul had a special adventure with Christ where he took it to places where people didn't even know. And because of that, Jesus was faithful. It's really amazing the yes that Paul gave to Jesus. And I'm encouraged because, and also challenged because, a yes to God is a yes to all of God. Not a yes to parts of God. We can't just say yes to the parts of God that we want. Say, that's a really good verse. I'll take that one. But that 
makes me uncomfortable, so I'm just going to ignore that one. Okay, but no, no, Pastor Andrew, he preached a great message, but there is one part that kind of called me out of my comfort zone, and I kind of like where I'm at right now, and that's a sacrificial type of faith, and that's a giving type of faith, and that's where I serve more than I am served, and that's when I give more than I'm given to, and that's kind of uncomfortable. But let me tell you something, that that's uncomfortable, but that's the faith that we were ushered into by the cross, and that's the faith that Jesus first exemplified for us, that he came to serve and not to be served. He came actually to die as a ransom for many. And when we look at this, a yes to Jesus is not a yes to parts of Jesus, but to all of Jesus. This yes to Jesus is something that Paul was familiar with, and because of Paul's testimony, we can learn so much from him. It's difficult to say yes to God when we're busy saying yes to ourselves. Have you noticed that? (laughs) That they're, they're conflicting interests. That when I'm saying yes to me, oftentimes what's inside of me is not really of God. As much as I don't want to admit it. That I'm selfish and I'm prideful and I look out for myself. And oftentimes when I'm saying yes to myself, I'm saying no to God. Because I'm looking out for what can God do for me? What can people do for me? How can I be most comfortable? How can I be served? But Paul wasn't like that. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 says, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said this. And I, I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've read Paul's letters, but Paul in Ephesians had a lot to brag about. I mean, Paul was an accomplished man even before he met Jesus by the world standards. He was a Jew of all Jews. He was zealous. He was beyond his years. He was a man who, if you were a Jew, you looked up and you wanted to be. Paul was accomplished. And yet he says in this verse in Corinthians, I have decided to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul's message was clear, and his message was the gospel. He said, I forsake everything else because everything else compared is nothing. It's nothing compared to knowing Jesus. He wouldn't venture to share anything except for what Christ has done through him and for his glory. Paul gave God a special amen. So God gave Paul a special adventure. Because Paul understood that if I don't have Jesus, I have nothing. He could say yes to God while saying no to everything else. And in that special amen, that special let it be so, that special yes to God, God gave Paul a special adventure. And Paul, Paul's uh, uh, adventure with Christ was not without trouble. Um, Paul's conversion was miraculous and amazing and insane. If you remember in, in Acts chapter 7, Paul is actually on his way to uh, be um, a persecutor of the people of Jesus. He was actually going to um, um, attack people who were following Jesus. And on, as he was on this road to Damascus, what happens that he, long story short, sees this blinding light, gets knocked off his donkey, and Jesus speaks from a loud voice of heaven saying, Why are you persecuting me? And, everyone, and Paul's just like, what? Or I guess at this point his name was Saul, right? And he's like, uh, what is going on? And Jesus says, essentially, I am the one who you, whom you are persecuting. Jesus himself ministers to Paul on this road. Paul has this incredible moment. He goes, he's blind. He doesn't know what's going on. Then this man Ananias comes and actually lays 
raised hands, and I was kind of scared because he's like, wait, you want to send me to who? the guy who's been killing us, you want me to go to him? And the guy's like, yeah, go to him. He's like, I don't really want to, but I guess I will. And he goes to him and he's like, hey, bro, I know you're blind, but don't kill me. Because Paul actually was legal in what he was doing, by the way. He was actually allowed to do these things. And so he goes and he gets healed. All of a sudden, Saul gets his name changed to Paul. God gives him an amazing mission. He says, I'm going to send you to the world. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Paul, actually the foremost persecutor of Christians now, has become the foremost apostle of Christ. And he has this amazing conversion. And his story doesn't even stop there. Paul then, in this moment, actually had this special yes to Jesus in what he was doing. But, but the beautiful thing in this is that Jesus actually wasn't approving of what Paul was doing when Jesus met Paul. Right? So Paul was, Saul, if you be with me, Saul was against Christ, and yet Jesus still went to him. It wasn't after he got cleaned up. It wasn't after he had this revelation. It wasn't after he was discipled. It wasn't after he went to church. It wasn't after he saw the, it wasn't after all these, it was in the middle of his sin that Jesus came to Saul. And if you hear anything today, it's in the middle of your sin that Jesus comes to you. That there's a way before you clean yourself up, before you become the right type of Christian, before all these other things, that the grace of God has been extended to you on the cross. And the blood of Jesus is enough for you. Just like it was enough for Paul. The cross of Jesus oftentimes invites those in that we exclude. And the cross actually invited Paul in. The gospel of Jesus is actually Jesus saying yes to all of us despite our no to him. And I want to prove it to you. One of the uh, harshest, uh, actually I'll just read it to you and you're going to see the trend. It's kind of crazy. Paul actually wrote a letter to this church called Ephesus. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 5, I want you to listen to this. And Paul says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work within the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not encouraging to me because I'm like, I wasn't good but I didn't think I was that bad but then the verse doesn't the passage doesn't end there it says but God but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved Jesus said yes to us even when we were saying no to him. And the cross of Jesus calls all of us to himself. Paul had this special adventure with Jesus. And Paul's special adventure with Jesus didn't just end at his reception and his acceptance to Jesus, but it was actually continuing beyond that. What do I mean? I mean that call to come to Jesus is unfinished 
unless we answer it also with a call to catch for Jesus. A call to come to Jesus. I'll say it again just for you, Pastor. (laughs) A call to come to, to Jesus can't be separated from a call to catch for Jesus. Do you guys remember uh, uh, Peter? Remember when he was called by Jesus? What did Jesus say to him? We see in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 4, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. What was that? Jesus in the same breath, in one call says, follow me and catch for me. Come to me and catch for me. Peter knew this, and Saul to Paul knew this. A call to come to Jesus is a call to catch for Jesus and you can't separate the two if we do we are ignoring a practical uh, and and, and crucial experience not just of Christianity but of the gospel Peter knew this Paul knew this and Paul had this special adventure to go with Jesus to come to Jesus and also to catch for Jesus Following Jesus isn't just a one-time decision. Oftentimes we can say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus, and then that's it, right? And we're like, oh, no, I did it. I I did the thing, right? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Aren't I part of the club now? Like, (laughs) don't I get full access? Isn't that? And and it's it's not just a one-time decision. It's a lifelong decision. It's, it's, a, it's not just a one-time altar call, worship music is great, I have goosebumps moment, but it's an everyday decision to say yes to Jesus. And we do it every day. We have to say yes to Jesus every single day. And I'm not saying we have to get saved every day. I'm saying because of my selfish self, I don't know if you're like me, but I'll speak for myself, I have to say yes to Jesus every day. Because if I don't, I will surely say yes to myself. I am absolutely going to be selfish. I'm absolutely going to preserve my self-image. I'm absolutely going to stay in a comfortable place instead of moving into an uncomfortable place for Christ. I have to say yes to Jesus every single day. When I look at scripture, um, I cannot find somebody who fully said yes to Jesus and stayed exactly where they were before. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find somebody who, who really saw him and said yes to him and then said, that was a fun day. And just go back to what they were doing, right? You're not going to find it. We, we, we look at the, 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 the Gospels, and we see Peter. He met Jesus, and he said, my life has changed. Immediately dropped his nets and followed him. We see Saul to Paul, who had this moment in the middle of his sin. Christ manifested him. He sees him, and his life was never the same. Do you guys remember Zacchaeus? Remember that man? He, he was, he was a, a thief, a notable thief. And what happened, he was a, 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 a known in, in the village that Jesus was walking through, and he was a really short man, right? And so what's happened is Jesus always drew these giant crowds, and this short guy, he couldn't see above the crowd to see Jesus. So what happened is that he went, above, he went before the crowd, and he climbed up this tree because he knew Jesus was going to pass by. What happened is that he saw Jesus passing by. Jesus actually perceived him, saw him, and says, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm staying at your house tonight. Everybody hated this. Because Zacchaeus was not a good person. Zacchaeus wasn't this guy that, that Jesus should go to his house. Jesus, if you really know who he was, you would never go to his house. 
But what happened? Jesus spends time with him, and after his whole time, Jesus doesn't even ask him to do this, but Zacchaeus, after genuinely seeing Jesus, his whole life has changed, and he says, everybody I've defrauded, I'm going to give back to them in multiple times. He couldn't stay the same. Do you remember the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts? Paul, he's ministering. He's going throughout all these cities, and all of a sudden, was it Paul? I think it was Paul. And what happens is he's going throughout the cities, and all of a sudden there's this Ethiopian eunuch traveling. He goes, and he, what? Philip, that's who, yes. Oh, yeah, because then he gets transported afterwards, right? No, that's a crazy story. <laughs> Remember he gets teleported? If you haven't read it, read it. Philip gets teleported. Not part of the story. He goes and he finds this Ethiopian eunuch, right? And he opens up the scriptures to him, this Ethiopian eunuch. And it, all of a sudden, this Ethiopian eunuch says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And, Pope, and Philip's like, I know, right? It's cool. And, Phil, and, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, I need to get baptized. And Philip is like, okay, cool. He's like, so? And the Ethiopian eunuch's like, I see a pond. Let's go do it right now. And Philip is like, all right, cool. And so they go to the pond, the nearest body of water they can find. Why? Because the Ethiopian eunuch could not stay the same. He knew that there was a response that he had to have to Jesus. But I want you to know that there's also another thing that I realized. We also see people who see Jesus and say no. You remember the rich young ruler? A man who was rich? Young and a ruler, in case you couldn't tell by the name. <laughs> we never actually get his name. <laughs> I know, I, I was praying about that this morning. I was like, what do you call him? He comes to Jesus, and he says, what must I do? And Jesus gives him all these things, and he has these right answers. He says, you must do these. And he's like, I've already done all those things. What must I do? Jesus comes to him, and he says, sell all you have and give it to the poor, and then follow me. And it says that this man walked away sad because he had many possessions. There are times when we can even see Jesus and say no. He wanted to say yes to Jesus, but he couldn't say no to the world. And just because you've seen Jesus doesn't mean you've given him your full yes. That's kind of scary to me. <laughs> Because I, he saw him. He knew. He even, he even wanted to follow him. And he counted the cost and said no. He walked away sad because he had many possessions. To grab onto one thing, and that being Jesus, you have to let go of another. You can't hold on to the world and hold on to Jesus. I, I was uh, at a youth camp as I closed, and uh, it was this youth camp where, a uh, church camp, and, and we had all these different activities that we could go and do break on. So some people could do archery, some people could uh, like skate, some people could swim, some people could do a zip line, but what me and my friends ultimately ended up doing was this trapeze. So they invited these people to come in, and they were like these uh, circus performers, if you will. And so what they did is they set out this huge, like, net underneath you, built up these two uh, uh, giant poles. And what they did is, have you ever seen the trapeze where, like, you grab on, you're at this thing, and you jump from a platform and you swing down. And people are swinging like a pendulum and doing flips, and one person's jumping and catching the other. And so we got to do that. 
Um, it was incredibly fun. So what happened is I went and I was like, oh, this is terrifying because what you have to do is you have to stand on this platform probably like 30, 40 feet up. You guys do meters. I will say like 10 meters up, right? And so, was that good? That's probably good, right? And so you gr- you're on this platform like 10 meters up, right? And so you grab onto this trapeze bar and you have to make almost two leaps of faith. You have this one where you have to jump off the platform that you're standing on when there's another professional at the end swinging back and forth. So you have to jump off the platform That's your first leap of faith. You start swinging back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the second leap of faith you have to take is you have to let go of the bar and grab onto your partner. So we did this. We were going back and forth. I did it. It was great. So fun. You drop in the net safely. They catch you. My next friend did it. Sam, he goes and he goes back and forth. Let's go. Jumps on. Grabs to the friend. He drops down. He's safe. Our third friend, Kalen, he's standing on the bar. And he's like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. He takes the first leap of faith. He jumps off. He starts swinging back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, we're like, Kaylin, let go. And he's like, I can't. And we're like, Kaylin, let go. I can't. I can't. I can't. He starts swinging back and forth. He's losing momentum, swinging back and forth. He's swinging back and forth. The thing that happened is that Kalen could not let go of the bar, and what happened is that he (laughs) ends up falling down to the net, face planting in the net. Everyone's laughing at him. He's embarrassed. He doesn't know what to do. Why do I tell you that story? Because I think that there are some steps that some of us need to take today in faith. What I see here is that because Kalen thought that holding on to that bar was safer, he never let go. What happened is that he didn't know that letting go was actually the most secure thing he could do. What happened is he was holding on for too long and his grip got tired. You ever feel like your grip is getting tired? Like it's hard to hold on? Like it's hard to keep going? Like I don't know how much I have left in the tank? Like, I'm getting really tired in this season. Like, I don't have that much energy. Like, God, I'm ge- I don't know what else to do at this point in my life. You feel like you're slipping. He were going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And what Kalen didn't realize is that when he didn't release his grip, he thought he was holding on to safety. But when he let go, safety actually had the opportunity to hold on to him. All he had to do was let go of what he thought was safe to let someone else grab onto him that was safe. But what he thought is that my grip is stronger than yours. And some of us in this room, I feel in my spirit that we need to let go of what we think is safe so that we can grab on to someone else who's holding us. And let me tell you something, that when we let go of our yes, we have a Jesus on a cross whose grip is stronger than yours. You have safety in what you think is safe. In the grip that you think you have on Christ, let me tell you something, that when you let go of what you think is safety, safety actually has the opportunity to hold on to you. When he let go... When I let go, someone else was holding on to me. It wasn't just me. It was, it was arm in arm. He was holding on to me. And there's a moment in life when we need to let go. And we need to let God. 
We need to let go and say, my grip is not stronger than yours, God. There's another level, and, and, and God, would you free me from the confidence in my own grip? And would I really know that there is safety in you holding on to me? Saying yes to Jesus is saying yes to all of Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus is, is choosing to let go of one thing to grab onto another. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that when we let go of the world, it's not just us that grab onto him, but him who grabs onto us. Last thing I want to say is God isn't looking for experts. I mean, that was our first time doing trapeze. He's not looking for experts. God's looking for those who are available. You might be saying, I'm, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I, wh- what does God even want with me? Like, what is my yes? My yes isn't that much. But let me tell you something, that God is not looking for an expert. He's looking for someone who's available. He's looking for someone who will merely say yes. That's my story. If you had told me I would be standing here in this amazing church five years ago, two years ago, I would have laughed in your face. I'd be like, there's no way. When I felt called into ministry in 2015, God actually tricked me into it. That's what I like to say. I was at a conference. All of a sudden, God calls me down to the altar. And, and, and there's this moment where I feel like God is calling me into ministry. Something I can't explain. Nothing happened. If you're looking for a logical reason, you're not going to find it. It's in your heart. Something happened to me. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gripped my heart for preaching the gospel. What happened is, is I went home. I started talking to my dad. And I was praying. And I said, Dad, what am I supposed to do? I have this feeling and this, 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 this thing inside my heart. And I don't know how to, how to handle it. I don't know what to do with it. And what happened is, is, is in eventually I ended up just saying, God, you know what? Whatever you want. <laughs> I said, you know what? I, I, I don't know what this means. I have my own plans. I wanted to go be an actor. Like Pastor Andrew was saying, I, I had this plan. I was ready. I was going to do it. And what happened is, is, is I got this moment with Jesus where he was saying, me or the world, me or the world, me or the world. What are you going to choose, me or the world? And I said, God, I don't know what that means, but I choose you. Like, like I, I, I don't, maybe sometimes, maybe you're in this room and you're like, I don't know what yes really means, pastor. Like, sure, I'll say yes, but I don't know what that means. And let me tell you, neither did I. What I did in my life is I said yes to God. I said, God, I'm going to write you a blank check of my life. You do what you want with it. And I feel like there are some people in this room who need to write God a blank check. Who need to say, God, I sign it. I give it to you. You fill in the amount. You fill in the cost. You tell me what it's going to be worth. Because I don't, I don't have much to offer, but what I do is yours. A yes to Jesus is always because he first said yes to us. And when we say yes to Jesus, he gives us the most incredible adventure of our lives. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you first said yes to us. 
and for no good reason. God, we're not worth, we're not really worth it. I mean, God, a perfect, holy, loving God came to an imperfect, unholy, unloving people and said, I give you my life. Furthermore, if you take that, I give you my spirit. And what did you get? You got our sin. The sin of the world on your shoulders, Lord, you are good. You are so much better than we deserve. Thank you for saying yes to us. If there's anyone in this room who feels like they need to give their yes to Jesus, I just want to give you that opportunity right now. You might not know specifics, and let me tell you something, you don't need to. Paul didn't know the specifics. I didn't know the specifics. I guarantee you, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Carroll didn't know the specifics. But some of us need to write a blank check to God today. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now. If that's you and you just need to write a blank check to God, you just need to give God your yes. You're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what I need to do. All I need to do, all I need, all I know is I need to give God my yes. I want you to raise your hand just so I can pray for you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If that's you, I just want you to pray this with me. Say, God, I give you my yes. Just say it again. Say, God, I give you my yes. My scared yes. My nervous yes. My insecure yes. I give it all to you. Here is my life. Would you glorify your son with it? Jesus name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you. Thank you. I'm interested. I'm I'm putting in a blank check for Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Where's your blank check? Mm. Yeah, that's good. You know what I love about this Saddam saying yes to this? Saddam saying yes to that. Exactly. Wow.
great. All right. Is that good? Can you guys hear me? Great. Great. It is such a blessing to be here with you guys this morning. Um, it's my first time in Africa, first time in South Africa. So thank you guys for letting me be here with you. It is a blessing to be here, uh, to be here with your pastors, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Carol, uh, at the Every Nation Build Conference, realizing that there's an Every Nation family all around the world, not just where we are. Um, and I really feel privileged to be in this space with you guys to see how God is using not just America and not just South Africa, but the world, how he's raising up the church, raising up young people to accomplish his mission and for his glory. And so when I am in spaces and places like this, I oftentimes think, how did I get here? <laughs> I think if you had told me that I would be in this position five years ago, I would have laughed in your face. If you had told me that I would be across the world preaching to an amazing church, being in an amazing Every Nation Build Conference in South Africa, I would have never believed you. But the faithfulness of God endures. And the grace of God is something that you just can't measure, that you can never plan, that I could never plan for. I could never imagine being in this position. And I'm so excited to be able to bring the word of God to you today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15, um, which I'm really excited. We're going to be in you guys' series, A Year of Yes, A Year of Yes. Um, and so I'm super excited to share a message that I feel like God has really put on my heart. But before we open the scripture, I do want to uh, confess something to you guys. Um, when I was uh, told I was going to be in South Africa, I was really excited. And as I was coming here, people were like, oh, well, what are you going to do? I said, oh, well, I'm going to be at the Build Conference. Super excited about that. I'm going to be at multiple churches on Sunday. And they said, oh, well, what churches are you going to be at? And I said, I'm going to be at this one and that one. And, and I'm, uh, this is my confession, I'm really nervous to say your church's name. <laughs> because when I got here, the first thing I said is, oh, I'm going to be at Every Nation Rumsig. Rumsig. And, and the look that they gave me was just a pity. And they were like, you poor man. <laughs> you poor man. And I said, I'm assuming I said that wrong. And they're like, yeah, it's not, it's not how you say it. And they're like, but in your defense, like, no one told you. So I'm going to step out in faith and try and pronounce your name that I'm very excited to be with you, Every Nation. Remsik. Yes? Remsik. That? Okay, there it is. Okay. See, th the second one. Just ignore the first one. Focus on the second one. Um, we're going from glory to glory here. So I'm really excited to bring the word of the Lord to you guys. Um, I, like um, I said, I'm from uh, Virginia, so it's like half an hour from Washington, D.C. I've been there my whole life. God called me in a ministry in a really unique way. Um, and so right now, I've been the youth pastor at my church for about four years. Love it. And God has really gripped my heart for preaching the gospel, no matter where, no matter who it is. And so I'm really, really excited to share this message with you guys. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15, verse 18 through 20. And it says this. For I will not venture to speak of anything except for what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring to the Gentiles to to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. What I want to title this message is Yes to Adventure. Yes 
to adventure. Will you pray with me real quick? Father, we love you. We're asking, God, that you would be in this place in a unique way. Holy Spirit, we know that you are already here. Where two or more are gathered, you're here in the midst of them. So would you be glorified in this place? As we focus our attention and our worship and our praise and our honor on our one true king, God, would you be glorified and lifted up? Would we be conformed into the image of Christ? God, would I decrease and you increase? Lord, open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear everything that you want to say. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul, a legend, a legend in the scriptures. What I love about Paul is, is one thing, that Paul is always centrally focused and consumed with the gospel. No matter where he goes, no matter what he writes, no matter how he disciples, no matter what signs and wonders, he is always centrally focused on the gospel. The passage right before Romans, at the beginning of Romans 15, is actually talking pretty much about the example of Christ and how that empowers Paul to do everything that he's doing. It's, it's always about the gospel. It's coming from the gospel. It's motivated by the gospel, and it's finishing with the gospel. Everything that Paul does. And so when we look at this story of Paul, we know that Paul had a special mission of going to the Gentiles. He had a special mission of taking the gospel to places who didn't know a thing about Jesus. Now, Paul would go into places that were filled with maybe witchcraft, filled with different gods, filled with all these pantheon of idols and worship, but Paul would take the one true God, and he would take the cross of Jesus to wherever he went. We see that the other disciples, Paul, or Peter, John, they would go to the Jews. They would go to people who knew Christ. And when I look at Paul, I can only admire him because Peter, he kind of had the task of taking Jesus, the Messiah, to people who expected a Messiah, right? That, that people, even if they didn't know the cross yet, they knew about David. They knew about the Exodus. They knew about Abraham. They had this vague idea, maybe of the history of Israel, the people of God. And so to bring a, a, a fulfillment of the Messiah, that's something that they expected, they thought that that was coming, but Paul, he was taking the gospel to places where people knew nothing about Jesus, to Gentiles who had no spiritual inheritance from God. And as Paul is writing, going throughout the known world, what he does is he centrally focuses on the gospel of Jesus. Paul was showing an example of Christ wherever he went. And if you look at Paul's life, there was an adventure that Paul could never craft for himself, but God crafted for him. Wherever he went. Paul had this amazing story that was filled with trial, but also filled with God's glory. And we see that Paul went and took the gospel wherever he went he went. And one thing I find interesting about Paul's life is that a yes to God is a yes to all of God. You can't say yes to part of God. You can't just listen to a message and say, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Carl, that was a great message. I like that, but that made me uncomfortable, so I'm going to chill right over here. 
You can't read the Bible and say, well, this part makes me feel good and accepted and loved, but that part causes me to be sacrificial, overly generous, and like make myself the least of these, so I'm going to leave that over here and stay on this side. When we get Jesus, we don't get parts of Jesus, we get all of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't give parts of himself, he gave all of himself. So when we look for the gospel of Christ, when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the life of Jesus, we can't just take the parts that we like, but we have to take it all. A yes to God is a yes to all of God. It's difficult, I've noticed in my life, to say yes to God when you're busy saying yes to yourself. Have you noticed that? That, that when you are consumed with what you want, with your desires, with what you think is important, it's really difficult to discern God's desires, God's will, and what God thinks is important. For me, I'll speak for myself, I'm selfish, I'm prideful, I'm always going to be looking for myself unless I always defer to God. I'm not going to wake up every day saying, God, whatever you want, my decrease and you increase. That's just not, now you amazing church like this are probably wired like that, but I'll speak for myself, I'm not wired like that. I always have to continually, every day, say no to myself in order to say yes to God. And let me tell you, that's the price of following Jesus. Is that when we see the life of Paul, Paul is saying no to so many different things in order to say yes to Jesus. This says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now Paul says this. He says, I have decided to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. Nothing except the gospel. And if we look at Paul's life, we see that Paul knew a lot. Paul had accomplished a lot. If we read in Philippians, Paul gives his accolades not in, in, in uh, um, uh, exhortation of himself, but to say, by the way, I had the life that some of these people were looking for. I was a Jew of all Jews. I was zealous. I was going beyond my years towards people. I was actually uh, 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 um, um, somebody that people looked up to in the world. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have a lot of money. Maybe you have the lifestyle that people want. Maybe you have the girl or the guy that people want. Maybe you are in the school or in the job or in the profession. Maybe you have the ideal family. Maybe you have all these things. But let me tell you, Paul had all those things too. And Paul said, I forsake all of those things just to focus on the one thing, the gospel. Paul said no to himself, and there was a lot to say no to, to say yes to Jesus. Paul's message was clear. Christ and him crucified. And he would not venture to share anything except what Christ has done through him and for God's glory. I'm so encouraged because in an adventure of yes, a yes to adventure with God, we see Paul and Jesus had a unique relationship. I see that Paul gave God a special amen, and God gave Paul a special adventure. Paul said yes to God, let it be so, your, not my will, but your will be done. And in response to that, Jesus was faithful and gave Paul a special adventure. That there was a lifestyle that Paul could not get by himself. 
he couldn't attain, he couldn't do. There was something greater for Paul's life that he could not go and grab by himself, and he needed God to do it for him. If you remember, Paul, Paul's whole life was incredible, but especially his conversion. You remember in, in Acts chapter 7, Paul was actually persecuting Christians, followers of Christ. He was persecuting them. He was actually on his way, on the road to Damascus, on his way to persecute Christians. And he was really good at it. He was good. People would actually, he was, he was there at the first martyr. People laid their cloaks down at his feet, essentially say, do you give me permission to kill this guy who's following Jesus? And Paul, actually at this point his name was Saul, and Saul said, yeah, go ahead. Paul was that guy, a persecutor of Christians. And all of a sudden he's on this road to Damascus, and this blinding light comes, and, and Jesus appears to him, and he gets knocked off of his donkey, and, and all of a sudden this voice comes from heaven that says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And it's like, it, it, but it's this voice from heaven, right? That was cool. I thought it was cool. You're right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, and this, this voice comes from heaven, and, and Paul's freaking out because he's like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was doing the right thing, and I've been doing the really, really wrong thing, and I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, Saul is blind, and there's scales in his eyes. He can't see. He's sitting down. God then appears to Ananias, and he's like, hey, now remember that guy named Saul who's been persecuting everybody? I want you to go and heal him and preach the gospel and, and kind of equip him. And, and now she's like, who? The guy who— the guy who killed Steve, the guy who killed my friend, the guy who's been persecuting us, the guy who's taking away all of our job, the g- that guy. By the way, what Paul was doing was legal. Like he was allowed to do this stuff. It's not like he was like a rebel. Like this was what he was supposed to do. And and and, and, I, and I was like, um, yeah, okay. He goes over to Paul and he's like, hey, buddy, don't kill me. Jesus' name be blessed. And he like, he heals him, right? Paul, Saul all of a sudden gets his name changed to Paul. And he gets equipped in this great mission to go to the Gentiles to share the gospel. And he becomes who once was the foremost persecutor of Christians is now the foremost apostle for Christ. This amazing story of Paul. And, 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 and Paul gave God a special amen. And, and God gave Paul a special adventure. Paul's conversion was unique. And Paul's yes to Jesus, if you hear anything, I want you to hear this. Paul's yes to Jesus came from Jesus's yes to Paul. Jesus first said yes to Paul. Remember, Paul wasn't going to church. Paul wasn't giving his life to Jesus. Paul wasn't looking for a way to go and find. Paul didn't, Paul didn't see anything wrong with what he was doing. Paul didn't have this great come to Jesus moment. There was this great come to Jesus moment that Jesus had to Paul. And all of a sudden, we see one of the foremost sinners in the middle of his sin who was reached out to by God. Jesus first said yes to Paul so Paul could say yes to Jesus. And not just on the road to Damascus, but on the cross. We see that Jesus made an allowance for all men to come to him, that the blood was sufficient for anybody that would come to Jesus, and there was grace awaiting anybody, and that included Paul. And Paul comes to God, and God gives him this special adventure, and Jesus didn't approve of what Paul was doing, but Jesus still pursued him anyway. He pursued him in his mess and didn't wait for Paul to just get better. The cross of Jesus seemingly invites those in that we exclude. 
he goes after the far, the far away. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And that doesn't mean that Jesus was approving. That means that Jesus was pursuing Paul. There's a uh, passage that Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus that is one of my favorite and most um, encouraging passages, but it doesn't start that way. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, this. And you, Paul writing, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. I don't know about you, but that is not encouraging. I read that, and I'm like, I knew I was bad, but was I that bad? Like, children of wrath, bad? That's who I was? Like, I wasn't in the middle of the, like, that's children of wrath, and I wasn't, I was like, here, and you're over here, but I was like, here? Children of wrath, bad. But I'm thankful that the passage doesn't stop there. It says, but God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, it is by grace that you have been saved. The people that we oftentimes exclude, God invites in, and Jesus calls all of us to himself at the cross. He has invited us and made a way for everybody, even the children of wrath like you and me. He has made a way for all of us to come to the cross by Jesus. And what I see is that we sometimes get to that moment and we're like, wow, I'm saved. That's great. It's by grace I've been saved and I'm so happy. And we have the goosebumps in a, in a church moment or, or we have a really good worship song and we experience God. And, and sometimes we give our lives to Jesus and we just think that it stops there. Like, like no, I did the thing. Like, I, I did the th- I'm a part of the club now, right? Like, I get the t-shirt. I, I, what else is there to do? But let me tell you that A call to come to Jesus is unfinished unless you finish it with a call to catch for Jesus. Those two things cannot be separated. They can't. If if you remember Peter, right? Do you remember Peter, how he was called? It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus... He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Let me tell you that following Jesus isn't just a one-time decision, it's a lifelong decision. It's not just a one-time acceptance, it's a lifelong adventure. We can't separate the call to come to Jesus and the call to catch for Jesus. They are one in the same, in the same breath. Jesus invited Peter and invited his brother into a relationship with him. And in the same breath, he said, and catch for me. That means that we're supposed to take this thing out. 
We're not supposed to keep it for ourselves. We're supposed to make disciples. We're supposed to evangelize. We're supposed to share this good news. We're supposed to preach the gospel, not to just these special guys, but to everybody. It's not just, sometimes we think it's like a call for like the apostles. That's like, oh no, but that's Peter though. Like, yeah, Peter had that, but like, I just like go to church on Sundays. (laughs) But let me tell you, it's the same Holy Spirit. The same spirit that Peter has, the spirit that you have, the same call that Peter had is the call that you have. It's going to be really easy to walk out of this building and to say, oh, no, that was just for Peter. That was just for Paul. That was just for Pastor Andrew. That was just for all these. But no, let me tell you, that call is for you. You are called to come to Jesus and called to catch for Jesus. There is no separating the two. A call to come cannot be separated from a call to catch. Because saying yes to Jesus is saying yes to the mission of Jesus. It's one and the same thing. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that. When I look through Scripture, I never see someone in Scripture say yes or see Jesus fully and stay the same. You're not going to find somebody who actually sees Jesus and stays the same. You think about Peter, and you say, Peter saw Jesus, and he immediately dropped his net, followed him, and caught for him. He could not stay the same. You think of Saul and Paul. Saul saw Jesus, and he said, there is, I have to do something. There's something inside of me that can't stay the same. I can't live the life I was living. I have to go and catch. Do you guys remember Zacchaeus? Remember that that tax collector, that thief? There's a guy... And the scripture is Zacchaeus, and pretty much what we know about him is that he's a bad guy. His name is Zacchaeus, and he's really short. And so what happens is that Jesus is walking through a town, and there's this huge crowd around Jesus. And so Zacchaeus really wants to see him, though. He wants to talk to him. But what happens is that the crowd is too big, and he's too short, so we can't see over him. Zacchaeus runs ahead of Jesus and climbs this tree. What he does is when he climbs the tree, all of a sudden he gets a view of Jesus, Jesus gets a view of him, and Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. Now everybody hated this because Jesus was having dinner with sinners. I'm thankful Jesus has dinner with me. (laughs) Like, we can look at the scripture and say, he's a bad guy. Like, he's really mean. He's defrauding everybody. He's stealing from everybody without remorse. Why him? Why didn't you go to the Christians? Why didn't you go to the Pharisees? Why didn't and, and everybody was upset, but what happens in the story is beautiful because Jesus goes and has dinner at Zacchaeus' house, and it's amazing because Jesus never tells Zacchaeus to change. Like, he doesn't tell him to do anything. He just has dinner with him, and Zacchaeus just sees Jesus. And what happens is that Zacchaeus, after really seeing Jesus, decides, I can't live the same anymore. So what he does is he goes to everybody he's defrauded and gives back in multiples what he stole from them. He saw Jesus and couldn't stay the same. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch? There's a story in Acts where uh, Philip is, is walking around and he's, he's preaching the gospel. And what happens is that this Ethiopian eunuch comes and, and Philip sees him. And, and Philip all of a sudden sees an opportunity to share the gospel. 
what he does is he starts opening up the scriptures to this Ethiopian eunuch. And as soon as he does that, his eyes are opened. He sees Jesus. He gives his life to him. And immediately after it says, the Ethiopian eunuch says, what must I do to be saved? Or what must I do now? And, and Philip's like, well, you know, baptism's a thing. And he's like, great, how do I get baptized? Let's do it right now. And Philip's like, uh, uh-huh. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, there's a pool of water right here. Baptize me. And Philip's like, okay, cool. And so he goes over to the pool, and he baptizes him immediately. The cool part of the story is that Philip then is all of a sudden finds himself in a different place. He gets, like, transported by the Spirit of God, which is crazy. If you don't believe me, read the passage. And what happens is that the Ethiopian eunuch saw Jesus, encountered God, and couldn't stay the same. He immediately got baptized. He knew that there was a response required when he saw Jesus. When you see Jesus truly, you can't stay the same. But also what I notice in the scriptures is when people see Jesus and don't follow him. Do you guys remember the uh, rich young ruler? There's this guy, and all we know about him is that he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. Hey, <laughs> some great exegesis, right? I mean, so I was praying about that this morning, and I was like, God, what is it? And I was like, rich young ruler. And I was like, wow, it's new to me. <laughs> this guy comes to Jesus, and he says, God, what must I do? And Jesus gives him all these things, and he says, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to follow these things. And he says, I've done those things. What else do I need to do? And Jesus, knowing his heart, he looks at him, and he says, Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. This rich young ruler, we don't even get his name. The next part of the story is all we get is that the rich young ruler walks away sad because he had many possessions. We see a story of somebody who encountered Jesus and said no. Somebody who saw Jesus and counted the cost and said it's not worth it. I don't know about you, but that I see that and I say, God, please help that not be me. God, I don't want to see you and say no. Just because you've seen Jesus doesn't mean that you've given him your yes. The rich young ruler saw him. And he, he, want, he wanted to follow him too. Like that's, it's not like his heart was like hard. He wanted to follow Jesus. And he counted the cost, and he said, I can't say no to the world, so I can't say yes to Jesus. He knew that saying yes to Jesus meant saying no to the world, and he counted the cost, and he couldn't do it. What I've learned in the Bible is that to grab onto one thing, you have to let go of another. You've got to. You cannot hold two things at the same time. You can't love the world and God at the same time. You can't follow the world and God at the same time. You can't live for yourself and Jesus at the same time. It's impossible. You have to let go of one thing in order to grab on to another. When I was in youth group, um, we had this uh, camp that we went to every summer. And this camp was this awesome church camp, and, and we went far away to, to a state in, like, West Virginia, and that's where, like, all the hicks are. And so we went over to, like, West Virginia, and, and when we did that, it, uh, uh, we had, like, um, these break times where we could do all these different activities. And so some of my friends got to do archery, some of my friends got to swim, canoe, and zip line, and all these different types of things. It was great. But what me and my friends decided to do was the trapeze. 
the trapeze. And so wh- if you don't know, trapeze is kind of like, uh, like in a circus where there's this giant net underneath you, two poles on the side, and you get somebody who like swings on a bar, like a pendulum side to side, and they jump to each other and do all these tricks, and you're in the air probably like 30, 40 feet up, which is like, what, like 10, 12 meters, something like that. And so you're like way, way high up, right? And so me and my friends decided to go and do the trapeze. So what we do is they're teaching us, and, and what they really taught us is that the trapeze takes two steps of faith. So what happens is that you get up on the trapeze, and you have somebody who's holding onto a bar. You hold onto a bar on your, as you're on this platform, and then you have to jump off the platform, and that's your first step of faith while holding onto the bar. You swing back and forth and back and forth, and the second step of faith is that you have to let go of the bar and grab onto your partner. As you let go of the bar and grab onto your partner, you're in free fall. Like, there's a net, but you're in free fall. And so you have to grab onto somebody else who's ready to catch you. What happens is that I go first, I jump off, and I take my first step of faith, and I start swinging back and forth and back and forth and back. And all of a sudden, I realize it's my time to take my second step of faith. I let go of the bar, and I grab onto the guy, and you grab forearms. So you're holding him, he's holding you. You swing back and forth. I did it. It was great. My next, thank you, uh, my next friend, <laughs> my next friend, he goes and he jumps off the bar, first step of faith, back and forth and back and forth, let's go, second step of faith, and he grabs on and does his trick and lands. Got it. But our third friend, Kalen, he had a little bit more of an issue. So what happens is that Kalen gets up at the top and he's terrified of this first step. He holds onto the bar. And he starts to jump, he takes his first leap of faith and he jumps off. He starts swinging back and forth and back and forth. And quickly we realize that he was swinging back and forth way too many times. He was terrified. We keep yelling, let go, let go. He's like, I can't, I can't. He's like terrified up there, right? He's like, I can't do it. There's a net below him. I'm like, you wussy. But he's like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And so he's too scared to let go of this bar and grab onto his help because what he actually had more confidence in what he was holding on to than letting go. What happens is that Kaylin goes back and forth and back and forth, and eventually his grip starts to loosen, and he falls and lands in the net. All of us are laughing. We're saying, oh, man, you couldn't let go, Levin. He's all embarrassed. And what I learned from that story is that's really similar to our walk with God. That's really similar. Kaylin couldn't let go of the bar because he thought that it was safer to hold on. And he thought, if I let go, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what happens if I let go of what I'm holding on to to grab on to something else because he thought the bar was safer. But what he didn't know is that letting go actually was the most secure thing that he could have done. When he didn't release his grip, he had to hold on to safety. But the beautiful thing is that when he released his grip, safety got to hold on to him. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate you, Pastor Andrew. That's how it is with us and Jesus sometimes. 
that we are so busy saying yes to ourselves, holding on to the bar, afraid to let go and to let God, afraid to go on this adventure with Jesus, not even knowing that we are putting ourselves in the most vulnerable position by holding on for ourselves. Maybe you feel like your grip is loosening. Maybe you feel like it's getting really difficult to hold on. Maybe you feel like, I don't have that much energy left. And the issue is, if you're like Kaylin, you think that holding on is safer. But let me tell you something. When we let go, it wasn't just us letting go of safety, but it was safety grabbing on to us. And that's exactly what Jesus did. When we let go of what we're holding on to, it's not just us grabbing on to Jesus, but it's Jesus grabbing on to us. We see in the cross that Jesus left heaven and eternity to grab onto you. And we have the opportunity to let go of our lives for Jesus' sake. To let go of what we've been holding on to for Jesus' sake. And to let go of security and say yes to the adventure because the adventure has already said yes to us. What are we holding on to? What are you holding on to today that you feel is safer but it's actually dangerous. Because let me tell you something. When you let go of what you've been holding on to, you give God the freedom, and that's your step of faith, to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, I give you my yes. Now, when I let go of that bar, I'm not saying I wasn't scared. I'm not saying I I didn't know what was going to happen. I had to trust that that other person was going to catch me. I had to trust, I had to have some faith that went beyond my capabilities. I had to stop trusting in myself and start trusting in somebody else. And some of us in this room need to stop trusting in ourselves. Stop saying yes to us. Stop saying yes to the world and start saying yes to Jesus. Start saying yes to the person who has said yes to you when you have so long said no to him. Because just like Paul, all of us were children of wrath saying no to God. All of us were living by our own selfish desires. All of us were saying yes, yes, yes to me and no, no, no to God. And in the middle of our sin, Jesus stepped out of heaven and said yes to us what do you need to let go of and what do you need to say yes to Jesus to because that's exactly what Jesus did for us he left heaven and came to earth for us and sometimes we get in this place where we don't want to say yes to God because we don't feel like we're enough you ever felt like that like Let's say I did say yes. Like, what would that mean? Like, I don't have a lot to offer God. And the interesting about that thought that I've had multiple times is that it's true. I'm not enough. Right? Like, I don't have a lot to offer God. Yet he wants me. That's the place where truth intersects our insecurity and says, I know you don't feel like you have a lot to offer. I know you don't feel like you're enough. But Christ in you is enough. I know you feel like you're foolish, but God uses the foolish things to shame the wise. I I know you don't feel like you're strong, but God uses the weak things to shame the strong. I know you don't feel like enough, but Christ in you is enough. And saying yes to Jesus is inherently saying no to ourselves. I was thinking about this last night in... um, 
as I close, Moses and the burning bush. You guys remember that? When, when Moses was out being a shepherd and he had left Egypt and he was in this middle ground between when he was an heir and, and when he was in the palace in Egypt and before he was delivering the Israelites and God comes to him in this burning bush and if you remember, uh, uh, God calls to him and Moses has every excuse on the table. For like a chapter and a half, Moses just gives excuse after excuse. I can't speak well enough. Well, what if Pharaoh does this? Well, what if the people say this? Well, I don't know about this. Well, why should they listen to Well, who are you in the first place? Well, and he gives excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse for chapters. And what I love is in, is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, this is what, G, what God, the Lord says first. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, but I will be with you, and this shall be your sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses said, who am I? Who am I that I should do this? And I love, because God kind of disregards the question. And all he says, but I will be with you. Some of us need to know that God is not looking for the experts. He's looking for the available. He's not looking for just anybody who's seemingly perfect. Not the everyday perfect Christians, not the Pauls and the Peters, not the Pastor Andrews and the Pastor Carols, not the people who feel like they've got it all together, but God is looking for people with excuses. God is looking for people who don't feel like they have it all together. God is looking for people who are still trying to figure it out. And when we give an excuse, God gives a promise. And God gave a promise that I will be with you. And let me tell you something. Jesus gave a promise too. And when he said in the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then what did he say? Sometimes we stop there. But he says, and therefore I will be with you. Even to the end of the age. This isn't just an Old Testament promise. This is a new covenant promise. Jesus says, and therefore I will be with you. Some of us need to know that God is with you. And when we say no to ourselves and we say yes to him, we are inviting him in. And saying, God, I'm not enough. But Jesus, you are. God, I might have every excuse in the book, but for every excuse, you have a promise. And your promise is that you're with me. Moses wrote a blank check to God of his yes. Peter wrote a blank check to God of his yes. Paul wrote a blank check to God of his yes. I'm sure Pastor Andrew and Pastor Carol wrote a blank check to God of their yes. If you had told me five years ago I'd be here, I would have said, you're crazy. And there was a moment that God gripped my heart, and I wrote a blank check to God of my yes. And look at the adventure that God has brought me in. This is way better than my dreams of acting in Hollywood. This is doing a kingdom work for an eternal purpose. And let me tell you something. When you say yes to God, he will go beyond your wildest dreams. He will go beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine for your good and for his glory. And I really feel like there's some of us in this room who need to write a blank check to God for our yes. That means that, God, I sign it. I endorse it. 
And all that I have, I let you fill in the amount. I let you fill in the cost. I let you fill in what it's going to be worth. Because I can't do it by myself anyway. So I need you. We can say yes to a God today because God has for so long already said yes to us. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you have said yes to us for far longer than we've said yes to you. We don't deserve it. I mean, we, we are imperfect, unholy, selfish people. And you are a perfect, holy, selfless God. And you sent your son to die for us while we were yet sinners. God, you said yes to us even when we were saying no to you. This is the gospel that Jesus said yes to you. And God, in this moment, I'm asking for faith to rise up. God, in this space, that the gift of faith by your Spirit would be imparted to be able to say yes when we don't know what comes next. When we're not sure of what tomorrow might be, when I don't know what a yes means, God, I'm asking for the gift of faith to rise up to say yes anyway. To say yes in spite of the uncertainty, in spite of the insecurity, in spite of our indecision, in spite of our excuses. Would we say yes and Lord, I even want to pray right now for those who have an insecure or a nervous yes. Hmm. <laughs> for those of us in this room who, who our hearts are beating really fast right now. And we say, I don't know what that means, but there's something in my heart that I'm feeling. And I don't know what tomorrow would hold. I don't know what it's going to cost. But like the rich young ruler, I don't want to walk away sad I don't want to leave this place counting the cost of Christ and the cost of the world and choosing the world. I don't want to do it. And God, I'm asking you to give us faith to follow. If there's anyone in this room, I just want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand if you want to say yes to God? I don't know what that means for you. You might not know what that means for you. But Jesus knows what that means for you. And if there's someone in this room who wants to say yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand? Would you give God your nervous yes and your shaky yes, your insecure yes, and all of your excuses? Would you raise your hand and say, God, I don't know what it means, but would you take it? We, all of my life, it's not worth a lot, but it's yours. I don't really know what tomorrow holds, but you do, so I put my life in your hands. If that's you, I just want you to pray this with me in your heart. Just say, Father, I give you my yes. I don't know what that means, but it's yours. I give you my nervous yes. I give you my, my insecure yes. Because you can do so much more with my yes than I can. Father, we trust you. God, would your spirit impart something to your church? 
Would this yes to Jesus be a yes to catch? A yes to mission? A yes to come? God, and we would count the cost. This isn't an ignorant decision. We know what it costs. We say, I counted the cost and I still choose you. Because you counted the cost. You set your face toward Jerusalem. You endured the trials. You did not despise the shame. You went to the cross. You went to the garden. And you said yes to us. That is a kind of love that we can't comprehend. But that we fully, God, accept in our soul and say thank you. Lord, we let go of the, of the bar and we say yes. And we allow safety to grab onto us in this moment. God, would your spirit impart something? Would safety grab a hold of hearts? Would it grab a hold of callings? Would it grab a hold of mindsets? Would it grab a hold of relationships and families and sin patterns and addictions? And God, as we release these things to you, would you grab on to us? In that second step of faith, God, would you grab on to us? Would you be that other hand, that safety that reaches out, that just like you reached out of heaven, just like you reached into earth, just like the baby in the manger, the Emmanuel God with us, would you be here with us? Would you be no different than who you've always been to Moses? No different than who you've always been to Abraham? No different than who you've always been to Paul and to Peter and to every nation and to everyone individually? Would you be no different than who you've always been and be our safety? God, we trust you. We trust you. And we say yes. And I really feel like the Spirit is saying the yes starts when you leave. <laughs> the yes is really going to start when you walk out of this building and when you walk into the world and God by your spirit would that yes be empowered by you so that we can do so much more with you than apart Father thank you for this people thank you for your spirit Father we love you so much <laughs> and more importantly you love us. Wow. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. I just want to thank you both for ministering at every nation road sign. So yeah. Say that we are you to enjoy okay, take this mic off. Okay, thank okay, so great. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Is it good? Yeah, so I'm just going to have a moment to respond. There's different things that God has spoken specifically.